This is Joe from What I'm Playing Now. I have episode 19 of our podcast here that we originally recorded on March 31st of 2014. Some of the news stories we discussed for the week, Facebook buying Oculus Rift VR Maker and the world going apeshit, new Xbox boss says that they will support core gamers, Square Enix says the same thing, Star Citizen reaches $41 million in funding, Origin's going to stop selling disc-based games, there's not going to be a Watchdog demo before the launch. We talk about some of the games we're playing for the week, Elder Scrolls Online, Bioshock Infinite Burial at T Episode 2, a couple of others, as well as what we want to play now. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to another episode of the What I'm Playing Now podcast, episode 19. Now known is... as uh, what I, Dancing with the Stars. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, Elgie. Okay, so... I, so I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think we're ex-celebrities that will get to get um, signed onto that show anytime soon. So, I actually, that was the first time I had to manually decrease the volume with that. Like, I, I did not... That was all me. I didn't that go was, ahead. I didn't do the fade out. That was pretty good. Hey, man. You know what? I got to try. I thought it was coming to an end. That's why I started talking. No, that's, that's that was good. That's kind of how we had it the first time where I had that cut out. Well, I, I cut in the fade in, but then this time I just did it manually for the mixer. Cool. Hey, it worked. My name is Joe. With me is Greg. That's right, baby. We are from what I'm playing now. Send us some emails. What I'm playing now at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at what I'm playing now. Google plus plus.google.com slash the plus symbol. What I'm playing now podcast on Twitch. We are twitch.tv slash what I'm playing now. I think that's about it. Do we have any studio updates for the week? Hopefully this week is much better than last week and hangouts will be friendly to us, and let's jump right in to Uncle Greg's Picture What the Fuck Hour. Uncle Greg's Picture Minute. Yeah. <laughs> that one might have been a little low. So, uh, yeah, this is the picture for this week. Uh, can you see that? Just to make sure. That is the face rift. And I think that will be one of our first stories that we're going to be talking about under the news stories. Yeah, you know, I figured it's going to be the next next hip piece of technology. And, and that's extremely funny because you're the one who really just isn't into VR. I know. I, I, and I'm going to sound like I'm a total hater on this. Yeah, I really think? am. I really am. <laughs> 
I was, I was, all week long, I was kind of just waiting for this conversation. I was like, this should be a good one. Our, our, we definitely we, have, we definitely have both sides of the fence here. <laughs> we, we might as well just get into it, man. All right. So one of the first big news stories that came out for the week, one of the first stories I put in the document for the week on our Google Docs, Facebook was, okay, I was, I would say, Facebook was bought by, let's do that the other way around. <laughs> the other way, Facebook. Was bought by Facebook. <laughs> Um, this is a very, very interesting story. Uh, everybody, I mean, when this happened, Twitter went crazy. Um, I think journalists went crazy. Everybody was writing about this. Um, everybody just has a lot of different feelings about this. I mean, it sparked Twitter wars. I mean, so, there was some just some funny shit going on this week on in the world of gaming and everything, and just on the internet's and the interwebs, and everybody was just. I don't know if it's just everybody's just been cooped up too much with spring, and is you know just wanting hot, warm weather or something, and everybody's just tired of this winter that just won't let go around here where we're at, you know, in 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 Ohio and stuff. But um, you know, because we're the only state that matters for gaming news, and 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 yeah, and we are just oh, we have just we're just spewing news. I mean, news is just coming out of every every orifice of everything. It's just everywhere. Orifice. Um, <laughs> Alright, so... The swamp ass of Ohio. Facebook buying Oculus Rift. What do you think about this, Mr. Greg? Uh, I, to be honest with you, I see it from both sides of the coin. I personally have no perspective other than I'm still extraordinarily skeptic of VR. I I really need to have my hands on a VR handset before I can say one way or another, this is going to be awesome or this is just going to, it just feels like another gimmick. I see both sides of the coin. I see where Oculus was having financial difficulties. I see where you know, the, the money that Facebook ponied up for that. I mean, granted, they only got, what, like 400K in actual cash? Yeah, the amount of cash that they got was significantly less than the $2 billion. We can go $2 billion. There was a lot of stock involved. There was definitely right, a lot of stock right. involved. I mean, they needed the money because they were having problems building. I mean, they ran out of parts to build the development kits with. Um. So I could see where having Facebook's clout and having Facebook's money behind them could help. On the other hand, by the very token that we said, you know, they only really got 400k and the rest was in stocks and options. I mean, if that isn't a political move, I don't understand how you define that as any other any other option. You know what I mean? Right. So, so what what is the scary part is what is Facebook positioning to do with the Oculus Rift? You know, I mean, what what do they what do they plan on doing with it? Yeah. Hmm. Let's see. Let's think of all the data we can aggregate from people who are using these devices, and and create a huge database of information like Facebook already has. Um, this is basically just going to be another table somewhere sitting on a server filled with customer information that mm -hmm. Facebook has collected on us. Yep. And that's the thing that and. You know, despite that's, that's, what I've, that's what I've read from some people. So, and despite the defense, uh, you know, I, there, there's been some people, some really heavyweight people, coming out and defending this. 
And like I said, I can see it from both sides. You know, Oculus needed the money. They need to keep going with this kind of stuff. And having Facebook behind them will help. But then you have to also look at the flip side. More than, what, 60% of that acquisition was in stock. That's not going to help them really make, you know, it's not going to help them with cash initially. Right. So I, you have to I, wonder I, what Facebook is doing with it. Yeah, but I think Facebook is in, is going to be in for the long haul. I mean, they're pulling in, um, you know, more people into this. They got um, Michael Abrash. He left Valve. You have Carmack over at Oculus, you know, who signed on with them a while ago. You're getting some big-time players in in the industry and some people who are definitely capable of making a groundbreaking and game-changing device. I mean, they're signing on some extremely smart people and putting them in the position, I think, and giving them an opportunity to to possibly take this to the next level, um, which I think is where it's going to go because I'm definitely a fan of VR. We've talked about this in other podcasts. So I'm, I'm really stoked. I mean, I'm not really too too excited about Facebook owning it because I can really care less about Facebook. I mean, I've never really been a huge fan of Facebook. But I think with Facebook's money, Oculus actually has a much better chance of succeeding possibly than they really did on their own. Right, but, but then you come up with the other perspective of, you know, yes, Oculus does keep to get you know, it does get to keep in existence because Facebook is basically, right. you know, they, they patched the Titanic hole. Yeah. So now you have to wonder, you know, I don't know. The, the whole – Facebook's already scary enough as it is. Oh, it's um, – yeah, like I said, I'm definitely not a huge fan of Facebook. And I know what I know a lot of people were – Screaming when the, when that was when the purchase first you know was announced and everything, people were saying, "What about all the people that backed them on Kickstarter?" It seemed like it seemed like they were more of a grassroots type of company at the beginning, and them kind of selling out, I think, upset a lot of the people that might have invested in them, and it seemed to kind of go against what they were, what some people thought they were initially putting their money into. I mean, when you do a Kickstarter, it's I don't really think you have much say in the company. It's not like you're buying stock in the company. A Kickstarter is basically there to possibly give you a product at a later date if they can actually produce something. I mean, you're not guaranteed to get something that you buy on Kickstarter. I mean, that's the way it's supposed to work, but, I mean, there have been projects that have been funded and nothing has really come out. I mean, yeah. so so it's the people that really thought and felt felt spurned by this or something, and um, you know, we're kind of saying, hey, this is going against, you know, what we put our money into. I really don't feel sorry for them, and I'm not really too sure I can say that I agree with you on that one. You know, I mean, well, you, you you've made an investment in something that really isn't isn't a guarantee and you it's not like you're now part owner in this company that's not really what kickstarter is right it 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 goes back to the point you said when you do kickstarter you're not investing in the company you're investing in a pseudo product right right so theoretically and for all intents and purposes legally it, if oculus wanted to sell out you know anybody who had dropped coin on the kickstarter They've got zero say in that. Right. 
And the only thing they have to, the only thing they can do is just deal with the fact that it happened, suck it up, and move on with life. But, and, and that sounds really dick of me to say. It really does. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know why you're being such a dick today. I mean, it's I, Monday I and shit, but you know, yeah, come on. Yeah. yeah, but I like I said, I think the thing that really scares me though is that, you know, more more than sixty percent of that acquisition wasn't stock, and that's right. That is what is the scary part because that just says Facebook wants to do something else with this. And Facebook monetizes off of data mining. So there you go. See, the thing that scares me about a lot of that stuff is, I mean, think back to when before a lot of these web 2.0 or whatever the hell you want to call them companies went. And we may may be getting a little inside baseball here because both of us are into technology and, you know, work in computers. So we follow a little bit more than just the games, but I guess one of the things that bugs me with Facebook is keep in mind that there were large websites before, like MySpace, which you really don't hear being talked about anymore. I mean, yeah, Facebook is much larger than I think than MySpace probably ever was. They definitely have much more money and clout. I mean, but sooner or later, some of these you know, social media sites and some of these different websites Go by the wayside when something else new comes around. I mean, so hopefully we see something out of Oculus before or if that ever happens to, you know, Facebook, mm-hmm. which I don't see happening anytime soon. I mean, I wouldn't be opposed to it, but... Well, so long as... So long as uh, well, King's IPO kind of flopped, so I guess Candy Crush ain't going to be... Keeping yes, it. I heard that. That was a story we really hadn't even put in the... Well, there's... No, I mean, there's nothing... The there, going off on a side tangent, there's nothing really more to say about it. I mean, the IPO flopped because they're pieces of shit. Yeah, that's that's an extremely good point there. <laughs> I mean, I had I had completely forgotten about that story, and I had read that um, on a couple of different sites during the week. Yeah, you know when that when that had come about. I I kind of just I, I saw it a couple times, and then I was paying attention to what they actually got after the IPO, and I was just like, yeah, you you fucking idiots. <laughs> <laughs> you had that coming. All right. Do we have anything more to say about VR? I think we pretty much cleaned that. Cleaned I want to be able to uh, like everything on Facebook through my Oculus. That's what I want. What I'm kind of hoping is when I go to PAX East um, next week, <clears throat> um, that I will be able to possibly see or use a um, Oculus there. Fucking bitch. So I, I don't know if Oculus will be there or not. I'm seeing, as we're getting closer, I'm seeing more and more people post different websites are going to be there, like GameSpot was going to be there. Um, I know Xbox was post, Microsoft was posting what they're going to be doing there. I know Major Nelson's having um, a, I think he's doing a live recording of his podcast on Saturday. And that may be something I go to because I think it's before the Giant Bomb, the Giant Bomb podcast. Because I think Major Nelson's is at 6 and I think the Giant Bomb one is at 9. So I I may be able to tag team and hit both of those. Not too sure how stoked the wife's going to be on that, but um, yeah, she may just have to live with that one. Hey, man, you're going you're going there for a reason, dude. She got to tag along with it. That's right. That's right. That's what I told her. Because we're only not only going to places I want to go, we're going to places she wants to go too. So, all right, next story: the new head of Xbox, Phil Spencer. Um, is basically trying to reiterate and state that um, going forward, the Xbox One um, is something that he wants to push to core gamers. He realizes that um, Microsoft put a heavy emphasis on their whole entertainment 
um, business and all the entertainment stuff that uh, Xbox One does. I was reading this article on GameSpot, and they were saying that Microsoft could have paid upwards of around $400 million for its partnership with the NFL. No, that doesn't sound outlandish. I mean, the NFL knows everybody, sound, you know. It doesn't sound outlandish, but just think, $400 million, they probably could have put better RAM in that system to they make it more on par with the PS4. They probably could have made a system that would have withstood a hardware <laughs> rep for, new, for DX12. <laughs> So, all right, no more Xbox One bashing. Um, <laughs> I'm just saying, man. There were some big sales too. I was that last week where the big sales were. Yeah. Um, was it? Was it last week? I couldn't remember if we talked about that in the podcast last week or not. Considering only half of our podcast recorded because Google's Hangout, Google Hangout decided to kind of blow up halfway through the podcast for us. Um, but yeah, I mean, it'll be it'll be interesting to see with a new person at the helm of Xbox um, for Microsoft what actually happens during the lifespan of the Xbox One now. I'm interested to see um, what he brings to the table and um, what happens at E3 this year. I think E3 should be really interesting. Well, I know I there's going to be a lot of I know, I know there's going to be a lot of new IPs and a lot of um, present products, you know, announced and everything like that. So, right. This this should be a really fun E3. You know, I think uh, PAX. What's that? You said E3. Yeah, I meant E3. Okay, it should be a pretty cool E3. I was I was talking about E3 that time. I was trying to I was trying to confuse you. Yeah, no, no, no. I think I confused you. <laughs> One of us got confused because I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think they're going to be making any major announcements at PAX. That would be cool if some of the companies did, and if they did, I will definitely talk about it on the podcast when we get back. But I don't know if anybody's going to be announcing any new titles or anything at PAX East. That will definitely be something they're probably saving for E3. See, I think a lot of these companies get confused, especially now, where you you have these devices and you have these machines that do both gaming and the multimedia, right? Mm-hmm. And they try to focus too much on one side of the coin, but they forget that the core audience are gamers. You know, even though you do have a device that can stream TV, that can do Netflix and stuff like that, most people are content with Netflix. Or most people are content with, you know, Crunchyroll or something like that. You don't need to go overboard and start pulling down like ninety fucking channels from satellite providers. Right. And I think you know and I, mean? I think that and I think that's what Sony started to do back in the day. I mean mm-hmm. originally when like the PlayStation One when that was announced, you know, Sony came out and was like, you know, we're a gaming machine, we're a gaming machine only and everything. And then the PS two comes out and it does D V D stuff and everything, and they're like, Well, we need to do this stuff and I think I think there's a fine line that they need to kind of walk along um, that you know all the companies need to do when they're when they're putting out the consoles. They need to try to appeal to as wide broad wide and broad of an audience as possible, but you can't forget what that console is going to do in the living room. Mm-hmm. And basically, even if you get the console in the living room, if you aren't selling the games to a lot of the people that bought your console, it's you're pretty much losing half your battle there. You know, right. it's that whole razor razor blade effect. You know, if you sell the razors but you aren't selling the blades, it's your business ain't going to be doing too hot. I mean, so it's it'll be interesting to see what um what Phil Spencer brings to to Xbox and and what changes and everything. I'm really interested to hear some of the um 
some of the talks that they have at E3 and some of the opening, you know, shows that they do and to see what actually happens. So definitely be watching those. Um, along those lines, Square Enix is um, kind of following in the same footsteps as Microsoft. Uh, they're going back to um, core gamers, and I think they're going to go back to a heavy JRPG focus, and they're going to try to not focus so much on that broader audience and go back to a focus of what the Japanese gamers want, and they realize that, you know what, that stuff sells pretty much globally now. It's not just what they make for Japan just isn't for that market anymore. You know, these are funny stories of people who strayed too far from the path. They were sick, twisted children, defied their parents, and, and now they realize, hey, you know what? Home is where the rump rests, man. Yeah. You know? And, and this is exactly what it is. I mean, I was I saw this earlier this morning, and I was just like, thank fucking God, right? <laughs> yeah, I was re I was reading the article that we that we're talking about on Polygon, and um, it was... And it, it it's funny because it's it seems like such an easy solution and something they probably should have realized long you know a couple of years ago, but I guess they had to try to do um, a more global appeal and they wanted to try to broaden the audience, but then they realized you know what we're making things way worse for us than <laughs> than we ever had. So let's try to reel this back in and see what people want and. Once I think they kind of start listening to what their audiences were, you know, what the customers were telling them, mm -hmm. and I think that's all these companies need to do. They need to quit trying to change something that works. You know, listen to listen to what your customers out there are telling you. Listen to what the people want. It's 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 not that hard if you just listen to everybody. Well, you know, when 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 you gotta have you know focus groups and you know all this other bullshit that may work but ends up deviating from what you're trying to do. Right. You know, that's when you kind of start losing touch with your core fan base. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think I think back on when when I read that article, I kind of sat back and had it cuz I have a very strong attachment to Square SquareSoft and now Square Enix. I probably more than I should have and I probably have a little bit of an issue. I need to go to like Square Enix Anonymous for some of these issues. <laughs> uh, I, I just I I love the games that they make. Some of them now. I when it was their core, you know, Final Fantasy and the few deviations back in like the Super Nintendo, I was all over it. Um, but that my very first experience with them was Final Fantasy three, which was actually six, mm -hmm. and then it was Chrono Trigger, and th those games just I, I mean they completely consumed my life. On so many levels, and it was it was all good though. I mean, because it, you know, there was the music, there was the story, there was the gameplay, and everything just really snatched me up. And if and recently, or at least over within like the past four or five years, it felt like they kind of just, I don't know, I, I wasn't looking for another JRPG, but that what I remember being there from those games just wasn't there. And I can't explain it, but I just know it was different. No, and I and I think from the article, it basically states that they realized they were doing something different. They were trying to reach more of a global audience. They were trying to... I think they were basically just trying to say, this is what we think people want. Mm. Not that we've asked anybody, but this is what we kind of think people want, so we're just going to try this, and, oh, hey, look, people actually want what we did before because they liked it better. What we're trying right now is epically failing. Well, it almost sort of embodies like an indie mentality, right? 
where you you kind of develop the game because that's what you're good at. Not right. beca- not because, you know, fucking Brenda down the street doesn't approve of it or doesn't have, you know, more than five minutes to invest in a game. You do it because it's what you're good at. Mm-hmm. And I think that's I think that's what a lot of these people are realizing is you know and even back to the Microsoft stories they realize you know this is what we are good at and we should probably focus a little more on it. Yeah. So I, one one of the things I'm we hadn't even mentioned. Yeah, one of the things we hadn't even mentioned from the Microsoft article was they also realized that they haven't been concentrating properly enough on PC gaming, and and that just really it's good to hear them actually admit that. Especially considering most of your probably game, most of your games for your consoles are pretty much developed on PCs in the be, you know, at the beginning. Mm-hmm. I mean, so it's if you can port it so easily over to the PC, and mostly everything is nowadays. Um, why would you not be looking at that as a very big avenue for growth? Right. I mean, yeah, so and it and it. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, not to keep rattling it, but I just you brought up an interesting point that I wanted to, to make note of was, you know, it, it's very interesting to me how, what, just maybe three years or three or four years ago, people were, were clamoring about the death of PC gaming, and now it's the hot ticket. Yes. Yeah. You know, I mean, yes, the PS4 is awesome, you know, the Xbox One is great, even the 360 and the PS3 are so awesome, but... I I take my PC any day, man. And that's because no matter how new of a console you put out there, a PC is always going to be more powerful no matter what you do. Because it can it's it's always going to have a newer piece of hardware in it than what you can get built into a console. I mean, so the PCs are always going to be ahead of the game. Mhm. So it's which stinks for consoles, but you know, for PC gaming, you really have to enjoy your gaming because if you really want to keep your PC rig running right for games, it's definitely... I mean, it's it's gotten fairly easy over the years, much easier than the old DOS days because you're not editing an auto-exec and config sys and everything. I mean, and setting up mouse drivers and audio stuff in there. I mean, but it's, it's you still have to keep drivers up to date, and there's just a lot more work you have to do than a console where you're just popping in a game and sitting down and playing. Yeah, or you so, know, or a lot of people just aren't used to the control scheme. You know, that they're not yeah. used to doing keyboard and mouse thing, and they still want to plug. Granted, you can do this nowadays. I mean, you can take a 360 controller USB and plug it into your PC, and then you can use it for the most part. But uh, you know, there's still a lot of games that don't <laughs> work with a controller. So, I have my one of my 360 controllers sitting up here because I was playing some racing games the other day on the PC. <laughs> I got mine sitting right over there, man. <laughs> So, but I started to play Mass Effect again, so I, and it doesn't work with the controller, so I was just like, okay, whatever. Um, next story we're gonna jump into here is Star Citizen reaching forty-one million dollars in funding. Probably one of the biggest funded games ever. I mean, they didn't get all that money off a of kick, Kickstarter, but they did do a Kickstarter. But I mean, I think one of the next biggest things off of Kickstarter was probably around 10 million maybe or something. I mean, I don't know I, if there's any I don't know if there's anything bigger than that on Kickstarter now. I don't know. I mean, on, on the GameSpot article they mentioned the Pebble Watch which is 10 million. So, um Pebble Watch but 42 million I mean or 41 million funding for a game is kind of crazy. 
Well, he's got enough to to buy, you know, three more yachts. I mean, so it's well. Th- this is a game from Chris Roberts. Um, he um, made Wing Commander, um, one of the original games I played back on the PC way back in the day. Um, I think which that was, was one. I think that was one of the first games I had installed on my 486 when I built which, it. Which Wing Commander? Was it Wing Commander three that actually had like Malcolm McDowell and Mark Hamill in it? Uh, that might have been. I don't I even know remember. if I pl- I don't even know if I played three. It was and on the original was the greatest. I played as far as I'm concerned. I played Wing Commander three on the Sega CD because I was one of those idiot kids that was like, "Oh, Sega CD is the greatest thing, man! I got Sewer Shark <laughs> and all this other shit." Wow. Hey, Sewer Shark rocked, man. Sewer I Shark t- rocked. I tell you what, Rat Breath. All right. Hey, give me Night Trap any day. I was actually my two games were Bram Stoker's Dracula, which scared the piss out of me at that age. I think we and, had that one. And Sonic CD. Well, no, Sonic. There were three of them: Bram Stoker's Dracula, Sonic CD, and Lunar Eternal Blue. I don't know if I played that one. I don't know if we had that one. Oh, dude. Uh, I think it was Creative Designs was the company behind that one. Mm-hmm. Um, to this day. Sega CD versions of that game can easily go for a couple hundred dollars. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Or if it's not bad. If it's, uh, I think it's the Silver Star Story Complete, which was the first Lunar game, that's, that can be a little more expensive than Eternal Blue in some cases. That's crazy. Uh, they're long games, though, for Sega CD, though, man. Stupid long games. But yeah, um, Wing Commander, Star Citizen. I. Don't actually know too much about this game, to be honest with you. I this one fell under my radar for some reason. It, it, yeah, it sounds like they're making a. Um, I don't want to say a remake of Wing Commander, but it sounds like they want to do like almost like a spiritual successor to it, and it's basically going to be a huge space sim, which you really don't see that much any anymore any days. I mean, I can't even think of the last kind of like PC space sim that I played. Um, uh, but uh, this, this is a game, if you go to the website, there's definitely check out some of the videos. The graphics look amazing. Um, and this will definitely probably be something that I pick up or probably even contribute to probably before the end of the year. Hmm. Just to get into it. I mean, it's, I mean, considering I used to really enjoy these games years ago and I haven't played anything like this in so long... Uh, this one will probably be the one to definitely dip your feet back into, and I think it'll definitely be a, a pretty big success here. Yeah, I I haven't played... God, I can't remember the last time I played Wing Commander 3. I, I remember really liking it, but I feel that... I should probably just download... I'm going to get kicked for this. I should probably just download a ROM and try it just for like five seconds to remember <laughs> what it is. I don't, even, I don't even remember, man. Yeah, it's been so long since I played those games, but I just remember building that 486 back in the day, having that sound blaster in there, and then just hearing the talking and everything and the voice acting, and it's just sound the graphics. Blaster. The graphics were just amazing from back then on the PC, and you were just like, "Oh my God, this is the greatest thing in the world." Uh, I remember bringing my computer home, showing my parents, and they're like, "What? What? What are you showing us for? Like, we really even care." <laughs> that happened every time. You know, and it was like it was like a fourteen or fifteen inch VGA monitor. I'm showing them this thing on, and you know, and I'm just like, this is awesome. Look at this. 
I used to do that. I, I used to do that to my parents. This is turning into like the PC retro flashback, man. Yeah, um, I know, and it's not even Wednesday. I know. I used to. I used to do that with my mom all the time. Like my mom was interested in a lot of video games I played. I mean, shit. We used to do Donkey Kong Country on the Super Nintendo. We used to play that thing. I mean, it was ridiculous, dude. She she would let me stay home from school during the week so we could stay up and play that until like five o'clock in the morning, starting at That's seven so o'clock. Dude, it was so awesome, though. It was that so is awesome. Cool. My dad and I, see, when we started, when I started gaming, one of the things that kind of got my dad into it were all of the text adventures. Uh-huh. And he really enjoyed working on those with me. And that was some really, really fun times we had when we were doing those things. I love that. To, just trying to sit there and figure out, you know, like, go east, figuring out what words to type in and what to And I mean, there were some things, even with the, the two of us together, we still couldn't figure some, some of the things out. I mean, but we had gotten you know, so good at a lot of those things and enjoyed, you know, so many of those things. Yeah, I would really... really cool. Yeah, I, I would really like to find somebody to do, to have that kind of experience with again, you know what I mean? Because there's, there's something really ethereal about that, but it, it's mm-hmm. it's ethereal, but it's still visceral. Like, you, you know it's there, but you can't explain it. Like I said, it's just the simple fact that she would keep me home from school so we could do that. I mean, that's kind of a testament in and of itself. Yeah, that's pretty cool. That's you know, that's pretty awesome. But then I tricked her. And I, <laughs> there was one level where I tri- I flat out tricked her. Told her there was a free guy down a hole, and she jumped down it and died. Oh my gosh! Why would you do that? That's cruel. That's just so cruel. Oh, uh, it was amazing. I wish I had that on cam. I wish I had that on camera. All right, next story. Origin is stopping the sale of physical disc-based games. Uh-huh. I didn't even realize that they actually sold physical copies. Yes, they do, but the more pertinent question is, does anybody give a shit? Exactly. Pretty much everything on Origin, like I thought, was digital, so I don't. Well, I think the thing I was getting at more importantly was, you know, it's EA. I I was on Origin yesterday, and there was nothing on there. So True. you know they did they did give away Deep Space last week. Did you grab Deep Space? No, I missed it. Oh, I thought I even texted you. You did, and <laughs> I and I was rebuilding my PC, so I missed it. Damn. Yeah, I know. That's why I started playing Mass Effect though. That's which cool. We'll get, which we'll get to later. Sounds good. All right, we got another. Well, I don't know if we talked about Ubisoft yet in this one. Um, Not yet. Watchdog demo is not coming before the launch, says the creative director in this Polygon article. Um, it basically just says that um, if you're going to want to play Watchdogs, there's no demo before the game comes out. Now, there isn't anything in here saying that after they release the game, there won't be a demo available, but they're not releasing the one before the game. So that was one thing I was trying to find, whether they were actually, whether it was like no demo period ever, because some games they don't ever put out demos for. So I guess we'll just have to wait and see what happens with this one. But I just wanted to talk a little bit about um, Watch Dogs because I am excited for that one to come out. So, um, so what is your opinion on – and that brings up an interesting point. What is your opinion on a demo? Is that like a make-or-break situation for you? No. Okay. No. Sometimes it's nice to try something, um, but most of the times – I try to tend to stay away from demos nowadays because I pretty much know what games I want to buy and what I'm going to be playing. Occasionally, there's a demo that I'll find that will make me 
really enjoy something and not, you know, like, yeah, I'll pick this up. But normally nowadays, I pretty much know what games I want and what games I'm going to pick up. I mean, years ago, I used to download demos. Like, any demo that came out, I would, like, download it, you know. Con- you know, when I first got, like, cable internet, it was like, oh, I got to download the demo because I could do it now, you know, and everything was like, Argh! You know, I'd end up with, like, so much shit on my hard drive and everything, you know. And it just got to the point where, okay, we need to put a stop to this. This is just, you know, this is just bad, and you yeah. can't play all these things, and it's just a complete mess and cluster. And You had that Napster problem with demos where it was just like you just had so much random shit. Yeah, I mean, I would. I would. I would just come up with – and it was so much random shit on my computer. It was like – Fuck. Okay, I gotta rebuild this thing because it's just running like shit again. Right, but you remember when demo discs were the thing? I mean, they still kind of are. Because I mean, if you, really? if you get, oh yeah, I mean, if you get a subscription to like PC Gamer or something like that, they typically have occasionally they will. Ha- I they thought will they still- stopped. I thought they stopped the in-game discs in on all those because Xbox, the Xbox magazine stopped it. Yeah, they, they stopped. Did. They stopped doing it for the 360. I don't know if the PlayStation. St- I think the PlayStation stopped it. I think they did too, but yeah, I, I, but I, and I thought PC Gamer stopped it as well a while ago. You sure? I, uh, I got one three or four months ago that had a disc. Hmm. Interesting. I did not realize that. Yeah, but it, I think the point, the point I was getting at though was remember when those were what you wanted to get. You know, you got that oh, yeah. PlayStation Gamer monthly, and you had to oh. have that demo disc. Dude, I still got all the original PlayStation Underground discs oh. from the original PlayStation under my bed in the other room, bitch. Oh, I got them all. I got them all. Even the Christmas one that came with 3D glasses. What? I didn't know about that. Dude, I got shit. <laughs> no, I, the only thing, I, the only demo disc that really stuck out in my mind was one I had for PC. It had like final. It was a square. Square Enix and Eidos demo disc where they had like Tomb Raider and they had Dominion and they had Final Fantasy 7 and none of them worked. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I was like... You gotta love that. I was like, fuck! That was back before I understood like, you know, DirectX dependencies and all this other shit. Yeah. And I'm trying to run it and I'm like, it won't run! <laughs> Alright, well let's jump into the next story because I got a good segue here. Speaking of all the shit that I have around this house, which is cluttering up everything, <laughs> there's a website, Declutter, that will actually pretty much buy anything that you have. But you know what? Guess what they won't buy? They won't buy used condoms. They only start off with PS2 and Xbox games. They don't go back to PS1 and they don't do any PC games. Because I had the Persona game still sitting here from when I showed you this so long ago on my desk. I grabbed it, held the held the UPC code up to my camera. It scanned it in. It was like, yeah, we don't know what the fuck that is. I, and I looked at what games what games they buy. PS2, Xbox, and later. I was like, hmm, okay, no original PlayStation games, I guess, then. Um, but this sounds like an interesting thing, I guess, if you want to dump a DVDs, CDs, music CDs, games, um, as long as they're from that era. Wait, wait, I, don't, wait, wait. I don't know how much they're paying. It sounds like they buy everything, and the cheapest they'll get, the, le- the, the least amount of money they give you for anything is 50 cents. Sounds like an online pawn shop. I mean, so... Wait a minute, so hang on, back up a minute. You were going to get rid of fucking Persona? No. Seriously? No. No, it was, like, the only thing, it was the only thing I had. I, I was grabbing, trying to find discs that I had with, um, like, um, UPC codes on them, and most of the game discs I have sitting here, 
that are old games anyway for the PC, they all of them have the UPC codes on the box. None of them put them on the actual case to the games. Right. Oh, actually, Eshron's called it. Um, but that was one of the first UPC codes, and then I grabbed like a couple of boxes I have under my desk, and then come to realize it wasn't recognizing any of those, and then I read, what do they take? And then, I, like I said, there's no listing of PC games, no early PlayStation games. It starts off with the PS2, Xbox, PS3, 360, and, you know, newer. Hey. Plus, they do movies and DVDs and music. Yeah, I don't know if I, I I don't really know if I'd use this service to be honest with you. Well, it sounds like over in the UK, they've been around since 2007, and they're receiving over a hundred thousand dollars, a hundred thousand items a day per the Polygon article, and they're already up to ten thousand items a day in the US. So it sounds like what they want to sell these to are maybe like people starting off game stores or music stores and just want to buy like a huge back catalog of cheap stuff. It's an interesting concept. It doesn't look like they sell to the public, though, because I was like, do they actually have a catalog of stuff you can buy? I don't see a way to actually purchase anything. It just looks like they're buying stuff. That's how Glide used to be. Glide used to be you just sell exclusively, and then they started having it to where you could buy shit that they had in their catalog. Right, and that's what I was like. I go, I wonder if they're going to come out with something. I mean, because like, if you go to their website, I don't see how to buy anywhere. I mean, so... Greedy bastards. I don't know. I guess it's better than just throwing shit out. If you can make 50 cents a CD, CD and you have a huge music collection or something and you don't live by an exchange or something. Hmm. I don't know. I mean, it's, it's it was just something I read about. I was reading, I think I read about the article on my Kindle and I was like, we need to talk about this one. That sounds interesting. I'm not sure what I'm not sure what I think about this to be honest with you, but then again, I'm that kind of guy that wants to keep everything. I, I'm, you know, I'm pretty much the same way. I think I've sold maybe one game in all of the years, and that's because it was so horrible. After Kim and I bought it, we like took it back the next day, and we're like, this, this isn't even a game. This was is it, just ridiculous. Was it Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde for the NES? No, it was a game on the PS2, and I can't even think of the name of it. It began with an A. It was something really just. Not what we were thinking it was going to be. It was supposed to have multiplayer, but you had to unlock the multiplayer by playing through part of the game. Oh, that's good. And so Kim and I were like, you know, because we like doing dungeon crawlers and stuff, you know, Baldur's Gate, the EverQuest games that were out on the PS2 and stuff. We used mm -hmm. to love those types of things on the Xbox. You know, we just used to love sitting down there and just doing dungeon crawlers and just hacking slashers. Something you, you could do co-op, you know, on the same screen and just kill things and just have a good time. Um, yeah, this game, I sat there and played it and played it and tried, was like, I don't know, Kim. I don't know how you get into the game. I don't know when we unlock you. Finally, we were like, screw this. We're taking the fucking thing back. <laughs> oh, jeez. So that was, it yeah, was I, I, th I think that was one of the first and only games I've ever sold back to GameStop. Hmm. See, I used to be really big into, you know, the whole buying, selling, trading type deal, you know, when I was younger. I, I honestly can't remember the last time. I mean, even the past couple times I've bought something from GameStop or went to the exchange down the street, because I told you they just opened up down to here, right? Right, right. Yeah. So, I mean, the past couple times I've gone to a couple of those places, I've never sold back. I, I think the last time I sold back a game anywhere had to have been almost 10 years. 
If I sold any, well, no, I sold like two things on eBay, and that was it. Mm. But that I keep everything, man. It's all over there. <laughs> yeah, I try to keep all my stuff too, mainly just because it's like I kind of just like to collect some of the stuff. Mm-hmm. I know you don't get a lot of money for it, and the little bit of money I get for it isn't going to do much. So I'd rather just actually have it, just to keep it, and maybe go back to it one day. I just like collecting this stuff, man. I buy that collector's edition for all the most of the shit that I'm really into. I buy the collector's edition of. Yeah, you do go. I but you know what? I can't say anything because I have tons of collector's edition. I was gonna say, don't too. even start knocking on me for getting collector's edition shit. <laughs> you got Mr. Dragon up there, dude. I don't want to hear it. I didn't get the collector's edition for Elder Scrolls. I missed out on that. Did you? Yeah. I thought you were going to pick up that one. I got the digital collector's edition. I didn't get the box collector's edition. Oh, oh, okay, okay. Hmm. So, because that actually came with that big statue of Molag Ball in there, I think, which actually looked kind of cool. I had I had I known I would have liked Elder Scrolls Online, um, yeah, I probably would have jumped on that and got that. But the digital collector's edition is good enough. Eh, it's there. So, Let's get into what I'm playing now, since that's what we're talking about. Might as well. So this week, I played um, a couple of things on the Vita. I didn't even put these in the, in the article. I think I played Thomas Was Alone. Oh, good job. And, yeah. and another little game that I had downloaded on the Vita. I can't remember what the name of it was right now. Um, both of them were okay. Thomas Was Alone um, is like a little puzzle game. You have like two little blocks that you kind of control and move the screen all around and try to get them to the from the beginning of the zone to an end of the zone. There's a lot of different um, things you need to do to get the blocks to move on top of each other and work around different environmental hazards that you need to avoid and stuff like that. It was a cool little game. I played it for an hour or two the one day after I had downloaded it. It was one of the free games. Um... There was another game I started playing on the PS3, and I can't think of what the name of it was. Remember Me. Oh, yeah, I, I saw that. That was, I, that was the free game on the PS3, I think, last week, a couple weeks ago. I, can't, I, I, just, I was sitting down Friday night, I think, and Kim was crashed, and I didn't want to come upstairs on the computer. There wasn't really anything I was really want, wanting to play, and I just kind of hit start on that, went through the tutorial and played around with that a little bit. Kind of just like an action-adventure game, almost like a little fighting component to it because it had um, some combat in there where you were doing different combos and everything. Graphics looked pretty good. Um, I don't think the game, from what I remember hearing about it, I don't think it was received too well. I'm not too sure why because I really didn't read too much about it, but I don't think it was re- it reviewed very well. Hmm. Um I can't say I honestly heard a, a whole lot about that game. I remember seeing all the commercials for it when it came out, and I mean the game looked good. Yeah, it it and, and like I said, the graphics actually did look pretty slick. I mean the graphics were very nice yeah. for being a PS3 game. I mean they were pretty good. So I played a little bit of that, but the big thing I played this week would be yesterday. We did a marathon gaming session, and I was going to stream some out to the Twitch channel, but I didn't know how it was going to be with the servers. Um, so I wanted to play through some of the game first. And once I kind of got playing, I was thinking about streaming, and I was like, you know what? Greg and I have already played through the first five hours of Elder Scrolls Online. 
So um, I really didn't want to restream stuff we had kind of already done because it was doing all the same quests. I was right. just doing that with a buddy from work. Um, but yeah, the servers, I don't know what time the servers came up. I sat down in front of the computer at 640. I had the client already open, and there was a dialog box there that said, the servers are open. Start the game. I was like, um, it's 640, and you're supposed to start at 7 a.m.? <laughs> when did this happen? I was just like, did somebody get you know their daylight savings time messed up or something? Well, what time zone was the server in? I, I honestly don't know. But it, they said 7 a.m. Eastern is when they were going to open the world. Oh, oh, or when okay. they were going to open the mega server. Um, There's the mega server. So um, I was just like, fucking A, man. Start making the character. Boom, boom. Got the name. Got uh, into the world. Start going through the tutorial. No problem. Got Made it through the end of the tutorial. Go to zone into Daggerfall. And what happened in beta happened there. My character gets sucked up through this portal, and I get disconnected from the game. <laughs> I was like, really? Really? This is going to happen on launch? Because actually getting into the game, creating the character and everything, was couldn't even tell it was launch day. Servers were no errors or nothing, you know? I was like, all right, let me just... You know, let me just re resurrect here and just try it again. Try it the second time. Boom. Went right into Daggerfall. Really, for being a launch day, that was probably the biggest issue I had experienced. Now, how did the... I, I think you might have told me this, and I forget. How did that one quest go when we were looking for those assholes on the ships and those crates weren't respawning in the beta? The crates... The, basically, you would walk up to a crate, you would bash one open, something would jump out, and you'd kill it. Oh, okay. So you were able to finish it. I was able to finish that. All the quests that were bugged worked. I mean, I got up to level 9 yesterday in nice. the 14 to 15 hours that I played. <laughs> and you, did a, buddy, you, did a, you, you had a great session. <laughs> my, my buddy from work took off of work today, and I logged in before we did the podcast, and he is at level 12, I believe. Oh, what a bitch. When, when we logged off, he was at level 8. I was able to play a little bit after him yesterday, so I got up to level 9. So now he's several levels ahead of me already. So, um, I don't know if he's done any PvP yet. You can't start PvPing in Cyrodiil until 10. Um, that's definitely something I want to try. I've heard the PvP in this game is actually pretty good. They say Cyrodiil, from one of the podcasts I was listening to, um, is huge. It As far as, like, size-wise goes, and for being a PvP area, they said this is just an enormous area for a PvP area. So I'm really, really kind of excited to see uh, what this is going to play like. Um, but other than that, like I said, we really didn't have too, too many problems throughout the day. Um, I think we each maybe got dropped off the servers once or twice during the day. Um, nothing we couldn't reconnect right back into. Hmm. Supposedly there were supposed to be, since they just have the one mega server, supposedly they had overflow servers that if it got way too bad, you would get pushed over to an overflow server and you would lose possibly your friends list. You wouldn't have guild functionality and stuff like that. Well, since it was just the two of us, we seemed to always end up on the mega server. Um, there was one time when we had got kicked off. Um, we came back on. I think we were in different instances. All you got to do is go to your friends list, right-click on your friend, and go go to player, and it basically puts you over to their instance. Oh, nice. Um, so it was 
the the beginning areas were a little crowded at the, at the at the start. I mean, because you do have everybody kind of funneling through and going through one area, so there was a little congestion early on in the day. But as the day progressed, you know, people started spreading out. People got you know were people who probably played the beta a lot more than what we did. Leveled faster, knew where to go, knew what to do. Probably skipped a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. I was sitting there reading a lot of the text, listen listening to a lot of the the voiceovers from the NPCs and everything because in beta I kind of was just like tapping through everything because I didn't want to pay attention to everything. I just wanted to kind of like experience the game. I wanted to leave the story for when I could get immersed into it and play when it went live. Um, so I was having a blast yesterday. Nice. Um, really good time. Way cool. I mean, so um, I mean, so far it's it was something that I wasn't too sure if I was going to like originally playing the first couple of betas, but then when I did the beta with you, I knew that I, I wanted to at least give it a shot. And so far, I don't remember the last time I did like a 14-hour gaming session like that on an MMO. I mean, I, I've, I've, do, I've, done, I've done several of those in the past, so that's mm-hmm. nothing new to me, but I haven't done one of those in a long time. I mean, probably the last time I did that would have been Asheron's Call probably months and months ago. Wow. I mean, so it's it's been a while since I've done that. So I'm 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 really kind of stoked to play it. I can kind of count on my hand how many 14-hour sessions I've had within the past like three <laughs> months. Because <laughs> I'm just that awesome, you know. Yeah, that's you have a little more free time than I got. And... So you can you can get away with those things. Um, but that was pretty much about. Mostly what I played this week was ESO, so I'm, I'm kind of hoping you're going to pick this up and you're going to get in there with us. I think there's going to be like four or five of us from work playing. Might as well, man. So it's, I think once you kind of get in there and start playing and start doing the quest lines, it does remind me of Skyrim. Hmm. I mean, a, a, the, just the way the text goes and everything, the combat's really interesting because I'm really doing a lot more dodging and block now. I don't know if you realized, but when you're in combat, you can double tap one of your direction keys and actually dodge. And I will say, I did that several times yesterday, and at perfect timing, when like a fireball was coming right at me through the ground, and I would double tap my dodge, my guy would roll right out of the way at the last second, right before that fireball hit me, and it seemed like I would take no damage or significantly less damage than had I stood there and just taken everything. Mm. Right-clicking on the mouse is your block. Definitely want to block things when you see a swing winding up and you they're going through that animation. Hold up your block. You definitely take significantly less damage, I noticed. Because um, there were times where I would just stand to go toe-to-toe with things. And it's it's definitely a more interactive type of combat than a lot of the other MMOs that I've played, um, which was refreshing. I didn't think I would like that. I thought that that would maybe remind me more of console gaming and more of like an action-type gaming. But um, I, re- I really enjoyed it. Awesome. Now, when you block, when you block, and an enemy goes to hit you, is there a stagger? If they hit there, you, there kind of is. There kind of okay. is. They kind, they kind of like, you know, it's kind of like they're open for for an attack from you. That was a core. The, so. the reason, I'm, yeah, the reason I'm asking, that was a core battle mechanic in Skyrim that I relied on heavily. And you could probably use that if you're used to that from Skyrim. You could probably pick up on that really easily in ESO and and run mm-hmm. with that and do very well in that with with that. So. Hmm. Yeah, I have to I have to check that out then. That would be something to look forward to for that. So, all right. 
that was me. You got some interesting games here, especially number five that's on our list. And I just, I looked that game up, and I was like, I had a feeling of what it was, but I was like, is I can't. But really, what I think it is. So I, can't, I cannot believe I played that game. I cannot believe. Do not jump ahead, because that's like a game I would sit there and download as a stupid little thing to play around with for an hour or two. And you normally don't do those types of things from. From us doing the podcast, I've seen you stick to core games and, yeah. and certain genres and stuff. And when I saw that, I was like, hmm, I, I can't wait for that. But that, let's let's do them in order. You did the stream on Saturday. Thank you for taking that over because I did have family functions going on. I couldn't make the Saturday stream. I was yeah. able to watch you for a little bit but while I was getting ready I um, to go to dinner and stuff. I had to actually break it up into two parts because uh, I had to stop for lunch. I started kind of late in the day. Um I woke up and did my laundry, and I actually didn't start the stream till like, 10 or 11. So, uh, but I, I digress. I was playing uh, Burial at Sea Episode 2 DLC for Bioshock Infinite, which was fucking amazing. And you pretty much finished that in one sitting, it sounds like. Yes, I did. But... <laughs> yes, I did. But it was so, so worth it. And it, that is, I mean, if you look at this DLC as a way to see off irrational games, this is one hell of a way to go out, man. Seriously. One hell of a way to go out. And it ties in, here's the, here's the good thing and the bad thing. It ties in everything you know from Bioshock Infinite and the story. It, it brings Infinite to a closure. But it ties so heavily into Bioshock 1 that if you have not played Bioshock 1, you're fucked. Because you're not gonna really? understand. Yeah, you're not gonna understand what's going on. You're not gonna <laughs> understand why you're dealing with Atlas. You're not gonna understand who Andrew Ryan is. You're not gonna get you know the big daddies or the little sisters or Adam. You're not gonna understand any of that. Yeah, I only played through part of Bio, the original Bioshock, and I didn't mm -hmm. play too much of Bioshock Two. Well, as I if you've like I said, if you have played Bioshock One, you're okay here. Yeah. If you've if you've played Bioshock Infinite, which you have to have it in order to play, you know. Uh, let me let me go back. If you've beaten Bioshock Infinite, you're gonna get this. Okay. Um, very interesting playing as Elizabeth, though. Very very interesting because unlike Bioshock Infinite, which I had this conversation with a buddy of mine at work today, because I actually convinced him to play Bioshock Infinite. He'd seen it, never played it before. So I told him, like, dude, just it's fucking awesome. Download it, play it. You're gonna love it. And that's all he talked about all day. So then he was asking me about Burial at Sea, and I said, I'll tell you what. Burial Sea Episode 2 requires that you have a good handle on your stealth mechanic. I mean, it really does. If you are not used to running around and shanking people without them seeing you or having very limited ammo like you didn't have in the core game of Infinite, you're not going to like Burial Sea Episode 2. Okay. You need to use your stealth. You need to trick harder enemies into killing the HP or the, you know, the bullet sponges that are around because they're everywhere. They're everywhere. You can basically the goal at one point in the game you can possess a big daddy and have him aggro against the mobs around you. That's nice. That's basically the only way you survive. But you can't kill the big daddy. That's the thing. If you engage him in combat, he will kill you. You know, but there's glass laying around on the floor, there's water on the ground. If you step on ice it makes different noises and it draws people to you. Uh, there is a lockpicking mechanic, which Elizabeth was well-known for in the game. It, it's actually quite nice. Well, now, in the first episode, you played as Elizabeth as well, correct? No. Oh, Burial, I, thought, I, thought, I thought the first episode you did. This is Burial, the first episode you played at her, then. I didn't realize that. 
No, Burial at Sea Episode 1 kind of finished where Bioshock Infinite's... Well, it kind of took off where Bioshock Infinite's story left in a sort of canonical way where one of the infinite possibilities was, you know, Booker then revealed to be Comstock, left Columbia, escaped to Rapture to sort of, elude, you know, get away from his past. Elizabeth tracks him down as one of the last versions of Comstock in existence and gets him killed, but... Episode 2 starts off where she herself gets killed by the same big daddy that took out Comstock. Okay. And it just, I mean, the story just goes downhill from there because it's so fucking crazy, dude. I, I mean, it's 100% mindfuck the whole way through. And from, it's watching the stream, from watching the stream, it looked pretty cool. The graphics looked really good. Oh, um, beautiful. Beautiful. It was, it, was, it was really sharp looking. Um, and it sounded like you were having a good time. I loved it, man. I, I really do, and I I will probably play through it several more times. Uh, I was. Now, is, there, is, there, is there any, you know, anything additional that in 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 uh, further playthroughs that you can experience? Harder uh, difficulties, or basically. Well, the harder difficulties are there. Um, the achievements for that DLC are. I mean, they have their own set of achievements for each DLC. Um, some of them are really hard to get. Uh, which I know I fucked up on like two or three of them on my first playthrough, so I'll do it again to to get those. Uh, but when I was doing the stream, I was playing on hard, and it was sufficiently difficult. Uh, it, it seemed like some of the combat you were in was there were a lot of people that once you once you messed up, there were people alerted and just all over your ass. Like that's what that's what I mean about the stealth is you gotta you gotta really you gotta really play the mobs. You have to play into them. Um, I think I will go back and play it on 1999 mode so I can finish it. Which is the hardest difficulty in Bioshock Infinite? So interesting, cool. Yeah, we will be doing that. I was, I was really, really happy with that. Really happy. Um, I also started playing the Mass Effect trilogy again. Uh, huge Mass. So the Effect. trilogy. So, the, so, so, so you were not just playing one game. We're going to play all three. Yes, I'm going to start from one, keep my save carried over to two and three. I've never done that before. Oh, you uh, haven't? No. Because my first Mass Effect game was two when I bought it on Steam, and I I think my Steam hours in that's like 123 or something I like that. I don't think I knew that. I thought you had played all three and you had done that. Wow. Okay. Cool. Nope. Cool. Um, and actually, the interesting, the, even the, you know, the kind of interesting lore plot twist to that too is that my save from two did not carry over into three either, because when three came out, they did not release it on Steam. That was when they released it on Origin. And when that had come around, I had already taken two off of my system and cleaned it out for other games because at then I was running a smaller hard drive. Um, so I played two vanilla, three vanilla, and I've never had a canonical save all the way through each game. Uh, so that's what I'm trying to do. And cool. I, I am recording it, so it's I'm not going to stream it, but I am going to record it, and I will put it up on YouTube eventually. Nice. Um, Mass Effect 1 is so different, though, man. It, it really is. It, it's... It is the RPG lover's wet dream, basically. Uh, yeah, I, I remember when that one came out how, that it that it had some um, a lot of good t talk around it and everything, and it was it was rated really high. Well, all three of them were rated really good games. Right. Um, I still think two is my favorite. Uh, two is my favorite for story. Three is my favorite for combat mechanic. Uh, the combat mechanic in three was amazing, amazing combat. Well, um, from what I've heard on different podcasts, it sounds like three had quite a bit of different things to do. Um, with the whole space stuff that you could do, um, and everything. So I'll I'll be interested to see some of the videos. I've never played any uh, any either of the three of them. Mm -hmm. Um, so 
I have enough on my playlist right now. It's not like awesome. I get anything else, so we don't even want to go down that road. You can we continue jo- on with we, you, we, you played for the week. We joke about your backlog. <laughs> yeah, okay. My backlog's so fucked. <laughs> um, so I was, I've still been playing around with Ragnarok Odyssey on the Vita. Um, it's, it's a fun hack and slash game. Uh, I'm kind of at a point now where I'm walled. I, I hit a boss mob that I absolutely cannot beat, and I'm not sure what I'm doing wrong. I've tried to I've tried to go after him at least six times now, and I, I can't get him. Can't get him for life of me. And it's kind of scaring me because I like the game. I want to see what more there is to it. I like the character customization there. Uh, I just don't want this to be the thing that stops me from playing the game. But it could be. So I'm have you looked to... up? Have you looked up any videos on YouTube and stuff like that to see if anybody has any tips? Yeah, and I'm not seeing them doing anything much different than what I've done. Uh, maybe it's just luck then. Yeah, I'm. I yeah. See, I hate when that happens though. I agree with you 100. percent Because then, if it, if it comes down to luck, I'm just not going to bother with it because I it just I don't want to waste my time on it. Yeah, no, I I would feel pretty much the same way. That's I, how I, I get with games. If I get to something that's like that, I'm just like, yeah. I got ten other games sitting here that I can just work through, and this one's just being a pain in the ass. Time next, bring it on! Bring it on! So I think actually that was the impetus for number five here. Did you play this on the Vita? Because I think it's on the Vita. I think it's on the Vita store. Yeah, I have it on my Vita. Is it free on the Vita, or did you pay for it? No, it's 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 one of the free games. It has it has in-game content. Um, Okay. This, I would define this as your typical Facebook game experience, which is kind of weird for me because I don't play those games, but there's something strangely likable about this game. It's called Crazy Market. It's on the Vita. If you've got it, if you want just something to, to piss around with, it's actually quite fun. Pick it up. I enjoy it immensely. Uh, maybe I'll download it sometime, but I have a feeling with Elder Scrolls it won't be touched. No. So Crazy Market... The goal is actually very simple. You're you're a registered jockey. You got your conveyor belt. You've got the scanner. Items come down the conveyor. You pick them up, swipe them down by the scanner, put them back on the belt. They go to the end, and you get coins. Okay. If the, if you fail to scan an item, you lose the round. But they throw in a bunch of other really awkward shit that is relatable to a supermarket. Okay, so for example, sometimes you'll scan an item and it won't scan, so you have to double scan it to get it to go again. Takes okay. up more time. Sometimes you'll scan an item, and you actually need to key in the UPC for the item, and which is four digits. But it takes up too much time to to actually type all that in, and you've got shit coming down the conveyor belt. The conveyor belt speeds will change, and it gets stupid fast, stupid fast, stupid quick. Then people will leave their babies and dogs on the conveyor belt. Are you serious? Oh, yeah. You have to throw the babies and the dogs back off towards the customers who stand in the background behind the conveyor belt. That's awesome. Then there are bombs that will drop on the conveyor belt. You have to toss them off. Okay, I haven't seen that at my local grocery store, but that's okay. (laughs) And then you get power-ups. But these power-ups can either increase or decrease the speed of the conveyor belt, give you a discount, which will, you know, you type in the numbers and it just clears the whole screen and gives you coins. Uh, but then there is the barcode scanner, which is basically this laser that shoots out at everything, and it's just coins galore. It's actually quite fun. I it, For the little bit that you can play it, because the regen for the coffee cups is a little slow, and the coffee cups are what you need to do a level, but um, I like it. 
it's just something something different from what I usually play. It sounds like a stupid little game that I could play for a couple of hours and be like, yeah, okay, we can delete this now. But it sounds like something I would at least give a little bit of time to and be like, okay, I did that. Yeah, I, that was that's a nice a, time waster. That's exactly what I did. I keep it on my Vita j- just for you know the simple fact of when I've got nothing to do and I'm just sitting there twiddling my thumbs or you know that th- play crazy market. That's funny. I just I can't believe I'm playing that fucking game though. <laughs> I, yeah, you playing any sort of like game that you would find on like a social site or anything or anything outside of normal mainline type of game, it's just, yeah. All right, my mind's blown. Let's get on to the what I want to play. Um, So I was watching the PlayStation blog this week, um, and there is an interesting game that was announced called The Hand of Fate. Never heard of it. I had not heard of it either. It sounds like it's going to be a roguelike type game from the article here on the PlayStation blog. It's a roguelike type that blends tabletop card gaming and video game magic. Um, no idea what this means, but roguelike is going to be like Rogue Legacy, um, probably like a Hammer Watch. I don't know if Hammer Watch would be considered roguelike, but um, those types of games. But the whole piece where you can, or the whole part of the game where you can basically choose your cards, build a deck almost, and stuff like that, and that kind of like the dungeon and the mobs and everything like that, it's it sounds interesting to me. It piqued my interest, and I was just like, "This sounds interesting." Hmm. I was looking at. I saw they're going to release it for the Vita as well. Yeah. So I think this would definitely be something that would probably fit very well onto the Vita, and would probably be something really cool to play like that. So I was looking at that article, and I just found something I want to add to what I'm playing or what I want to play. What's that? So I followed a I followed a link off of there. And I went to the Vita page, and then I was looking at the releases uh, coming for the Vita. There's one supposed to be coming out on May 27th called Mind Zero, and it's from Axis. It looks awesome. I will be picking this up. <laughs> <laughs> it looks awesome. So, yeah, there's another edition. <laughs> cool. Um, I I want to pick up Goat Simulator. I saw that on there, and I was just laughing. Really? Dude, that looks so fucking awesome, man. I just don't know about that. <laughs> it looks so great. I I I can't imagine spending a better time than just taking a ragdoll physics goat and blowing the shit out of him. It's amazing. Yeah, that's. I just don't know if I could spend money on it. That would be the hardest thing for me to do. What did you buy today? I bought Goat Simulator. You know what? You're not going to be the only one. Yeah, I know. So if you're going to be a sheep, you might as well do it with Goat Sim because it's going to be the yeah, best good, game good ever. Good point, good point, good point. All right, I think we're at the end of the episode. You got anything else to discuss game-wise for the week? Uh, nope, I think I'm good. All right, everybody. Give us some feedback. Email us at whatimplayingnow at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at whatimplayingnow. Drop the G. Google Plus is at plus.google.com slash the plus symbol, what I'm playing now podcast. Twitch TV. We are at twitch.tv slash what I'm playing now. Thank you for joining us this week. We will be back next week. We are probably going to record next week on Sunday due to me 
leaving for vacation and heading out to Boston for PAX East. Out the so basement. we're going to try to, we're going to, yep, I am. We're going to try to get a show in on Sunday, and then we'll get that up, and then probably when I come back um, Tuesday or Wednesday, maybe we'll do a very short show um, for everybody, and I can discuss what I saw at PAX. Um, I'll try to put some pictures up on the website. And You need to get some some video, man. I can probably do some video with my phone and stuff. We'll start. I will try to get some different things. Um, I'll even probably have a swag bag, hopefully filled with crapola. So that's the so. only thing. That was the thing I loved about going to OLF was you get in, you go in there, you got that swag bag. I mean, yes. there wasn't a whole lot of stuff, but I mean, there was a bunch of cool shit down there. I was like, yeah. Yes, there was some nice nice stuff there, and it was it was cool picking that stuff up at the at the OLF thing. For those of you that don't know, that is the Ohio Linux Fest. Um, since I am a Linux admin during my day job, and Greg does a lot of tech stuff and work, and he does Linux work as well. Um, we do a, a LinuxInstall.net podcast. So if you are interested in anything Linux-wise, check us out over there. You can hear us talking usually every week. We are not doing a podcast for the Linux side this week as Brian is out of town. I believe he's down in Florida this week. Mm-hmm. So um, him, and, him and the Chitlins are torturing Mickey Mouse. Yep. And so I probably won't be on next week's episode since I will probably just be getting back into town that night. Um, so uh, don't don't worry, man. We 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 all live interesting lives. I mean, I I often go on cruises and and you know <laughs> I find the missing Malaysian flights all the time. You know that sort of thing. All right, we're calling it there. Everybody have a good week. Go do some gaming and let us know what you're playing now. We'll see you later. Have a good one. Peace out, motherfuckers.